I'm playing. <laughs> Let me download it really quick. This is our first time. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul and you're Anthony Holmes, we finally did it. We did it, more or less. After how long? Um, well, I think we came up with this idea in like 2015. So, so about five years. <laughs> no big deal. I mean, it might have been something we talked about like in 2008. I don't know. It's been a long it's time. Possible. We go. We go way back, Matthew Renta. We go way back. Um. <clears throat> so as you stated, I'm Matthew Renta. As I stated, you're Anthony Holmes. And uh, we are two know-nothing nobodies from a place that doesn't matter, talking about professional wrestling, right? Amongst other professional things. Professional wrestling? Yeah, amongst other things. And other things. Yeah. That might be something uh, you like, might be something you hate. It's true. And that's life. Yeah, I tend to I tend to say things that people don't like, and that's just what I like to do because it's funny. So I'm sure we'll do that a lot. But he's a true heel. It's uh, no, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the the kind of the the joke, isn't it? Like if I don't think I'm a heel, mm-hmm. I probably am one, right? Yeah. If I think everything I'm saying is correct, but you're, but in your mind, you're not. That makes a lot of sense. I think we should just stop talking about all this right now. <laughs> all I, right. I am not a heel. Okay. I'll let the people decide that. All right. So <clears throat> I think we should start here when it comes to professional wrestling, at least. What is your oldest memory or how did you start watching pro wrestling, Anthony Holmes? Man, I started, I had to be like seven or eight around the time. Mm. Um, so I had a friend, and they had the black box. Do you remember black boxes? Yeah, I never had one, but I knew what they were. Naughty. So, yeah. So they had the naughty things, but then they also had the wrestling pay-per-views. Mm. And that was, like, always a fun get-together. My dad would go, and, you know, their dad would watch, and it would just be a group of people. We'd be watching wrestling, and that was the heart of the Attitude Era. So, you know, seeing Stone Cold and The Rock mankind undertaker kane like that was my childhood and it was great and can, um, can you put a year on this or like a year when you think you started around where you can remember what the year was where you first started watching so it had to be around like 97 98 okay um so i believe that was after that was like the middle of it i believe right of the attitude era yeah uh, it, like it peaked around like 2000, started. but 97. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. We used to play the, the WCW uh, game on 64. Why can't I remember the title of it? But so WCW oh. was around already. It was already a rivalry. Um, 
again, my years might be a little messed up there. But uh, that was that was it. And once I got into junior high, uh, that's when I kind of just fell off of wrestling, and it kind of died down. I would I would watch here and there. I would see some things that were going on, but I I kind of stopped watching until it was like twenty thirteen. I was working at a restaurant and I typically worked uh, the night shift. Um, so I'd get home around 930 and I'd get home and Raw would be like the only thing on. And so that's when I started. I would just put that on. I would be doing some other things in the background, listen, watch. Um, wasn't paying too much attention until one time I heard from Chicago, Illinois, and it was CM Punk. And I was like, oh, dude's from Chicago. Let me pay attention. And, you know, mm. Punk was pretty hot at the time. So, you know, that just piqued my interest. I, I love supporting local people and local things. And that, that got me back into it. And I've been watching pretty consistently uh, since then. Um, you know, still have my my bouts where I don't watch as much. but Depending on how good or terrible the product is. Yeah, and exactly. if there is or isn't a pandemic going on. But yeah. But we're doing this, so yeah, I'm true. obviously still watching. True, true. We're still watching as hardened, as hardened emotional fans who have a lot to work through. And we'll get into that. <laughs> That's cool. It's just like this deep sadness, kind of. Like it's something that should be great. And but yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but give us a little background on like, what's your earliest memory? Okay. So, by the way, the game you were referring to, I think it was WWF Attitude on Nintendo 64. Oh, so I did play WWF, but there was a WCW game, too. Um, was, and that uh, was the one. Revenge, WCW. It's like WCW slash NWO. Was that the one? Yes. Yeah, yes. Sting and Hogan. Uh, I didn't play that one, but uh, I did play Attitude. I used to play the shit out of that game. Actually, I did play it. I played it on... I played... I don't know if it was that one, but I played a WCW game on, I'm pretty sure it was, on PlayStation. And I remember I remember that was back when um, Blockbuster was the thing to do. And I would just always get the wrestling games. Those are the best. You know, it's sad. Like, those games are probably better than the current the games, games. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, well, not speaking of the current games because it's trash, but um, that was one of my first memories was SmackDown, the first SmackDown on PlayStation 1. And that's how I started getting involved with pro wrestling because watching was a little difficult. And my parents were kind of on and off about me watching it for obvious reasons. This was like 99, 2000. Um, so I have a sibling who's significantly older than I, well, I don't want to say significant. I don't mean that with disrespect. I mean, she's about 10 years older than me. So at the time when the Attitude Era was going on, she was kind of in her teens and uh, late teens. So she would have boyfriends who would come around and they were like obviously big wrestling fans. So they, being her little brother, I would always kind of be involved with what was going on and they would like to do wrestling moves on me and like they like to beat me up because I was a crazy little kid. So I was introduced to wrestling before I knew what it was. And then I started playing the video games and then I started watching the show. So it was just kind of like a weird thing where I didn't, I knew about wrestling before I actually watched it on television. And then I kind of put the puzzle pieces together later. Um, but I became infatuated with, um, the undertaker 
and Shawn Michaels because I would watch classic tapes from like the 96, 97 time frame. And that was a few years before I was kind of aware of what I was watching. So it, I had to watch it like on tape. I couldn't, I didn't know what I was watching live, but I came up, became obsessed with that and then kind of applied that to the wrestling that was happening at the time, which was about 2001, 2000. Um, and I just fell in love with the undertaker. And that was, that was probably the, the biggest reason for me to kind of watch consistently. And, uh, that you like, even had hair like him one time. Uh, yeah. Middle school. I mean, it's kind of getting there now. I should just keep letting it go. That's like the undertaker is kind of the reason why I got into metal music and why I had an interest in tattoos and why I became like an, a goth emo kid late in my later teenage years. Like, Pro wrestling kind of had a, a a profound effect on my personal life, and like I got into theater and acting and and choir and all that all that stuff, gymnastics. That was all because of like pro wrestling. So I love Stone Cold, The Rock. Like all those guys were great. They were fun to watch. I never watched WCW. I don't know about you if you watched WCW in those early days, but I never saw I it once. I used to, but. <laughs> I was I was always into WWF. Like no matter Damn. no matter what they they were always on top for me. Like yeah. I thought Sting was cool. Um I always liked the Sting character, but I can never like get into WCW like I could watching WWF at the time. Yeah, that I had a Sting doll, like an act not a doll, it was like a a stuffed like action figure and I love Sting. But I never watched WCW, so it was kind of weird. Like, I knew who Sting was, and I think, again, I did play a WCW video game, so maybe that's I tied that connection there, too. But I never watched the product. And by the time I was kind of consistently watching in that, like, 2001 time frame, it was already kind of dead on its way out. So I never got a chance to experience it at the time. But, um, yeah, I didn't, like, I watched all the way from, basically from 2000 all the way through to, like, 2009. And I would watch daily. I remember um, the Kane. I don't know if you remember this. The Kane and Shane McMahon feud when Kane took his mask off and he became a psychopath. And then he, him and Shane were like fighting each other all the time. Uh, I remember that happening. But yeah. I did not actually watch around that time. So it was wild. But like at one point, um, Kane had beaten Shane. They had beaten each other up to the point of like they both uh, had to be stretchered out. And they both, it was like this hospital scene. They were like in a in an emergency room and then Kane ended up like resurrecting himself and then beating up Shane again. And I remember I, I was so adamant on watching that. When they got to the hospital, my parents made me turn it off. I don't remember why. I had to like, I was, I didn't do something. And I remember I threw a tantrum because they made me turn it off. And by the time I got to turn it back on, the segment had just ended. So like it was like the cameras were just kind of panning out of the room and it was over. And I was so upset. And like at that time, there wasn't like YouTube where you could just go back and watch it. And like, so I was like devastated. I remember how that felt. I was so upset that I couldn't see what happened. But I remember so well being freaked out. Right yeah, no, it, it really was. And I remember being completely freaked out by like Kane and like, other wrestlers at that time like undertaker legitimately scared me and um so that was all that craziness but anywho we were talking about like moving through like the years of how we stopped and started watching but i stopped watching ironically when 
probably when you started watching again was with CM Punk because uh, I liked Punk, but I was a massive Hardy Boys fan and Jeff Hardy fan specifically. And uh, CM Punk retired Jeff Hardy, um, quote unquote, and uh, took his title. And they had like a feud. Punk is such a good heel, but they had a feud where Punk was talking about um, Jeff Hardy's, uh, you know, drug addiction problems and like all this stuff. And he, it was very deep and very personal. And I, of course, I thought it was like real. I was, I was very, I mean, it was real to me. It's It's real to a point. still real. Yeah. Those were real. (laughs) Well, what Punk was using was real. That's like the beauty of CM Punk. Like it wasn't anything, nothing was made up. Nothing was like, you know, they were just kind of emphasizing it for wrestling. But, um, that made me upset that whole feud. And then he, and then Jeff ended up losing. So I literally stopped watching wrestling because Jeff lost that feud and then retired. So in my mind, there was no reason to watch anymore. Like wrestling was dead to me. <laughs> and then I picked it back up in 2014 because of CM Punk, because I had been watching his recent stuff. Like he had done the bit with Cena where he took the title in Chicago and he did the pipe bomb. And I was kind of getting caught up because you were telling me a lot about him. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm I'm back in. I'm watching some stuff. I, w- I remember I went over to your house for a Monday Night Raw, and it was the Raw after the Royal Rumble of 2014, which was the Raw where Punk decided to walk out on the WWE. So the day when I decided to watch him, like, you know, come back to wrestling because of him, he decides to leave wrestling forever. So, <laughs> like, that's uh, and then I've been watching ever since then, pretty much. So that's uh. Post-punk days, post-punk modern days. Yeah, the the not so great <laughs> WWE reality era days. But yeah, yeah it's so ironic we, how that works. Should we talk about that? Like the current state. Sure. For what it is, I guess. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. And I think with. Go ahead, keep going. With AEW, it's easy to say, you know, like there's a big problem with WWE right now. I agree. And you know, I they have they have some good stuff. They have great talent. And that's that's the thing that's a shame. They have some great talent that could put on some amazing matches right now. And then they get put in these storylines and it's like, well, what just happened? why are you doing this? And there's just such a disconnect between character development and like what the people want. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I feel like any podcast or any article, whether it's fan or if it's a wrestler in the industry or if it's a, you know, whatever it is, a journalist, like everybody kind of goes down the same road. And when it comes to the creative at WWE right now, I mean, AEW is creative. I don't think is perfect either. And if there's, I feel like if there's, because I mean, I wrestled for about a week, but, I, but, um, I feel like if there's any credibility that we can retain here, it's performance and it's kind of creativity within storylines and writing and, and just that kind of type of artistic circle in general. And anybody who has any lick of creativity and artistic knowledge just doesn't understand what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, does it doesn't appeal. Like they say that a lot of the re- responsibility is put on writers who are writing with the intention to kind of make a show. 
and make it i mean these the same people that are writing for other shows on fox or usa network which they put out a lot of good stuff but it's like in the context of professional wrestling i guess and where you have things like injuries like there's been some great storylines that have that he um not i don't want to say evolved but like have been working towards something great like the original braun Strowman storyline when he broke off from Bray Wyatt and became a solo wrestler and then kind of had his his meteoric rise when he was still kind of a rookie. Like, that original storyline was great. Like... Yeah. And it, I think... I'm pretty positive he tore his bicep. I think that's what he did. Or it was his tricep. He had an injury, and it just put him out. And it happens all the time, where it's like these guys... Like, Dean Ambrose was the same It before yeah. he left. But, like, it happens so consistently where they're like, okay, we're going to dedicate a year to this person. We're going to build them up. We'll kind of angle everything around them. And then they get hurt and they're out for three months or four months and whatever. And then it's like, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. We'll just make some stuff up, I guess. I think to me, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) I don't know. Do you think they're being overworked? Like these top guys are wrestling so many times a week and like, is it worth it? And I don't know the answer, but is it worth it to put these guys on the line like that, make them higher risk for injury? And now your top guy's out for minimum six weeks mm-hmm. and a lot of time more than that. And now like your brand is is screwed up. Yeah. And it seems like these guys are like, I don't know why, but every time I think about that, that like kind of workhorse or that like how much they actually work. I think of Seth Rollins. I don't know why Seth pops into my head every time I think about it, but I feel like someone like Seth has said on many occasions that it kind of just comes with the job. Like he, because he loves being a WWE superstar, it's what he does and you know, whatever. And he's had a catastrophic injury, so to speak. And he basically blew his knee up, you know, whatever it was four, four years ago. Um, and he's come back from that and he's kind of done stuff. Finn Balor, like right when he finally wins the the first universal champion, tears his shoulder. And that wasn't really like, I don't think that was a fatigue issue. I think that was just a bad buckle bomb that he didn't, something happened, some miscommunication happened and he ended up dislocating his shoulder. But I don't know. Like that, like th- these wrestlers that are out there now seem to be saying that it's just kind of part of the gig. And the older wrestlers, I feel like that, either retire or kind of just like half and half that are get on these podcasts or interview or write these books, make it pretty clear that the schedule is like unreal, like not doable. <laughs> so I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know where to approach that from. Like, cause I feel like there weren't that many and like, obviously there's always been injuries, but it doesn't, it didn't seem like to the extent that it is now. It seems like there's always a new injury. It's always a top person. And, like, it just disrupts everything. Well, yeah. And that's, I, they also say, too, that it could be just a toughness thing. I don't, I don't know. Because a lot of other industries are like that. So I feel like football and basketball are like that, where 10, 15 years ago when someone got injured, you didn't know about it, and they didn't talk about it, and people just played through everything. And I know, like, Undertaker has been injured in – ungodly amount of times and part of the reason for him not disclosing a lot of that i think was because of his character um but like these i mean wrestlers are injured constantly unless it's something that they absolutely can't work through 
And obviously if it's head related, if it's a head injury, that's different. But like, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Like the thing is we don't know. We don't know. Like, yeah. I'm sure half the roster has injuries that are not good, that are painful, that they just wrestle through because they have a title or because, you know, whatever. And especially now with things being so unstable and people just getting cut and getting let go, which we could talk about that too later. Um, it, I don't know if I, if I had an injury I could wrestle through or work through, would I talk about it? Would I like make it obvious or would I complain about it? I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. It's I crazy. Don't, I don't think so. And how like, you, if you're, especially if your character is supposed to be strong, like, why would you want to talk about your injury? Yeah, it kind of sucks the steam out of it when Braun Strowman has, like, elbow chips or whatever. Like, it's yeah. like, Braun Strowman, oh, damn it. Like, I thought he was invulnerable. You know, like, it, it sucks, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's as a fan, as a tra- training with wrestling, I get it a little bit because I didn't, do anything other than practice and I did one show and I was dying. Like my neck was in so much pain because of the bumps and I still have marks on my back from hitting the ropes and I'm not touring. I'm not like wrestling people that are over 200 pounds. Like, well I did a couple of times, but that was practice. But like these people are out there, you know, getting thrown around by Nia Jax and like, these little hundred pound girls, Nia Jax is a big, big girl. Like she's throwing these girls around and like, you got people like Bray Wyatt, like these heart strong, like hard hitting people that have these devastating moves. I mean, Baron Corbin, half of his moves are slams. Like it's, it's tough. Like, I, like, I don't know know how that feels. (laughs) Well, I've been hit. I've been hit with a, uh, um, not the deep six. What's the other one? End of days. I've been hit with an end of days. And it was I remember horrible. That video. It was horrible. It felt terrible. And the the dude was my height, probably a few inches taller than me. Not six eight, whatever the hell that Baron Corbin is, massive human being. Like I can only imagine touring and they say too that a lot of people don't understand that they ha- they have a full schedule and right now obviously things are a little different, but they don't just wrestle one night a week or two nights a week. Like it's pretty much four or five days a week. They're doing something actively or they're uh, traveling. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how you get like strong, creative, strong storylines and like a good product to follow when that is the standard that's being set for the work ethic that they need there. Because it's just, it's asking so much on top of trying to build something around one individual like Roman Reigns who's now had to dip out of WWE a few times because of his of his health concerns, which is obviously a real thing. But how do you dedicate that much energy to one person as a company or as a brand when they could be gone just like that? And now it's like, okay, well, we, we don't know when Roman's coming back. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's weird. And I think, like, that schedule just doesn't lend to that off time to be creative. Like, yeah. When you're on the go, 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 you're in this routine and you're not necessarily like some of your most creative stuff comes from just sitting back and relaxing. Like when you're on the go, you're just acting intuitively and like kind of you're give, being given this direction. And to have your own development, I feel like you, you kind of need that time off to 
to think about things. Yeah, this is, um, I feel like most of these people, uh, based on what they claim and just what we see kind of putting puzzle pieces together, most of these people who, who reinvent themselves or repackage themselves properly have time off. Like they either get injured. Like, I mean, anybody who's listened to Punk's interview like knows that he had to battle for time off and then didn't get it. And then when he did get it, it was because he was hurt and then he still didn't really get it. Like it was still taken away from him. And that was the only break he could get to even catch his breath, let alone like repackage himself or think about, you know, whatever. But like Bray Wyatt is like a prime example of like stepping away, whether it was, I know he'd gotten injured and he was, he was out for a while, but he clearly utilized that time to completely put into motion everything that he had been planning. And now it's, paying off massively even in even i feel like with all this coronavirus stuff going on it's still for him it still plays really well into his character he can still kind of sustain this he doesn't need like a live audience necessarily and he doesn't need to wrestle every week and it's it's perfect and i thought it was actually interesting his first promo when they did it without the the audience you know it it almost felt creepier in a sense for him like not having the audience there uh, you know, it it fit his character. Just that promo in isolation of just his voice and the words he was using mm. just felt creepy. Yeah, creepy and intimate. Like, yeah, yeah. And there's and I could you could probably say the same thing with like the whole Orton and Edge angle, where it's like the audience just adds. It's it's a very like hit and miss type of thing because I I feel like for promos. The audience is not necessary. That's just what I, that's how I feel. I think it adds an energy and obviously you want to promote your shows live at the events, but I feel like for, especially for pre-recorded promos, you don't need an audience reaction. Like you don't need that. All you need is, is the commitment to the character and what's being said and the story that's being told. That's all you really need. And it seems like a lot of these wrestlers, whether it's because they don't know how to act in front of a crowd or they're just being handed a script and they're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? This is not at all what I would say. Um, and they're just trying to make it work. It just isn't working anymore. Like the crowd 100% impacts a wrestler like the rock or stone cold. They like them and the crowd have this working relationship that they amplify each other in a way. And I, I feel like that's what makes them so electrifying to watch and to listen to is they have a working relationship with the audience. It doesn't matter if the if it's a six-year-old or if it's a 46-year-old. Everybody knows who The Rock is. Everybody knows who Stone Cold is. And if you don't know who he is, it doesn't matter because you'll get to know him like soon enough. So it's it just works. So I don't know if that's just the quality of wrestler. I don't know if that's the whole scripting problem. I don't know. It's, it's so hard to decipher. But... Yeah, and I feel like the crowd just derails promos sometimes and it's like you know sometimes it's a promo you want to hear it's a person you want to hear and you want to you want to hear how the they want to convey it for their character but then you have the crowd maybe they're not into it and they're chanting something and you know i'm sure the wrestler in the ring doesn't feel good when they're talking shit even if like if they're supposed to be a good character and the audience is chanting some this is boring stuff like Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to have that live feedback, but at the same time, like, 
you know, give it a give it a shot. Maybe that promo would have been better pre-recorded on a camera. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like, and that I mean, you've you've had experience with shows with theater. I've had experience with shows, live audience shows, and obviously with music. Like we've had we've said things to the to the audience and stuff. But like, when you when, when you're looking for a certain reaction, especially when you've rehearsed something and you know how it's supposed to go, and you're really seeking out a certain reaction. If you get the opposite of that reaction, it's gonna throw you off. Like, oh, people, for sure. It just that's just how it is. Like people who claim that it doesn't matter. Like we'll just keep going or what? It, like yes, that's that's true in the sense of just like let's just keep pushing through. But it does throw you off. It does affect you, and it as a performer, it freaks you out. And even in a positive way, like if you're expecting people to to hate what you're doing and they end up loving it. Oftentimes you see that on the wrestlers' faces too, where they don't see that coming and they're like, Oh, all right, I guess okay, cool. Like, but if you're a heel in the wrestling world and in the wrestling rules, if you're a heel, are you supposed to be getting cheered? Because in on I'm sure on television and movies and in theater, if you're a bad guy and people you're making people laugh, you're doing something wrong. Like that's it's just kind of a, a rule. Like if you're supposed to be the bad guy people have to dislike you and you have to kind of go with the protocol to make that happen and just hope that people kind of go with what's happening. But it seems nowadays like things are so weird. It's like the crowd wants to boo baby faces, cheer heels and like go against kind of the agreement. And I feel like kids are always on point. I don't know. Like I feel like the the kids always kind of boo who they need to boo and cheer who they need to cheer and the adults kind of mess everything up. <laughs> like they influence the kids too much, you know? That's very true. But it's odd because like we, we've been to shows like uh, WWE shows and I like before we started going, I was kind of mixed on John Cena. I was a massive John Cena fan when I was a kid. I think everybody was like, you know, the 06, 07 time, time frame, But uh, you know, through the later years, I kind of just, you know, I was a fan of more of the heel type characters, so I didn't like him as much. But when we went to go see them live and he came out, I couldn't help but like get fired up. I don't know what happened, but I became a John Cena fan immediately, like instantly. I, I don't, I don't know how, but it just happened. <laughs> and I felt compelled to cheer for him. And like, even when people around me were booing for him, I felt like I had to cheer for, like the child in me wanted to cheer for John Cena. I don't get it. But it, but that's just he, what it was, and, and that's just him as a person, I think, and that's why he was able to transcend WWE. He's not a part really anymore, and he's out there making movies, still relevant, and, yeah, and successful. Like, and that's kind of what worries me about the current state of WWE. We don't have, in my eyes, we don't have anyone that transcends the WWE right now. There's nobody outside of WWE that is important, let's say. Like, someone outside who doesn't watch wrestling, who are they going to know? Who are they going to care about? Yeah, it's true. And John Cena had that for a long time. Yeah, and it's, I feel like, and I mean, it's cool having Edge back because he's done, I mean, he's done some things quietly. He's done some TV shows and things. There's like, you know, some wrestlers have done some acting. Obviously, the WWE Studios movies, I don't know how how serious you, <laughs> seriously you take those as far as transcending WWE. But 
The Miz. Um, yeah, and he, I guess you can say The Miz kind of transcended just reality TV in general. He just transcended that whole because he very easily could have just fallen prey to being a real world, you know, person like an MTV dude for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't. I I can't think of anybody that's other than the Undertaker, but he's obviously and Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock Lesnar's probably the biggest Brock and Ronda, but now they're both out. Like Taker's like, probably retired, so it's like <laughs> yeah, there really is nobody. Yeah, like I don't. Those figures I don't really count in a sense. Like Ronda came into the WWE. Well. Yeah, um, Brock, Brock was Brock was bred in the WWE, so I'm, I would yes. count him. But I see what you're, you're right about Ronda. She he's transcended the, one, the UFC. Like Brock is still, he's an attraction for sure. Mm. He's not consistent. I don't think he's someone that. It's just a different character. Than well, he's you know, in personality, like he, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's he, huge. He's, he's not consistent with anything because like. He doesn't do movies, he doesn't do television, he's not really in that realm. And even with the UFC, he kind of does what he wants. Brock is like the definition of an anti-hero as a person. <laughs> like he it, like Brock Lesnar the wrestler character and Brock Lesnar the human are literally the version of an a true anti-hero. Like he just does whatever the hell he wants for his own gain or his own, you know, whatever. He's not a bad guy. He's not the greatest guy in the world. He has no real it doesn't seem like he has any real intention to do much of anything other than just live the best life he he can for himself and that's it so and it's like with these other people like cena obviously that's what he's doing too but he's in the spotlight like he's doing it with a different flavor like he's got a different um style or a, he's got different motives i think to like he still wants to be a popular figure in the entertainment world like he still obviously loves wrestling and wants to be involved with wrestling, but it seems like he wants to take WWE and, and help elevate it kind of like what the rock did and what he's still right. doing to this day. But like, I, it's, yeah, it's a job for Lesnar. Yeah. Like it's a job. And for, I do feel like with Cena, it was, uh, it was a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. A different level of commitment. I think. It's it's weird. It's weird how things have shifted um, with the whole kind of kind of deterioration of the PG era, which is still kind of PG. It's still like it, this weird murky gray area where sometimes it's PG and sometimes it's not. And like so, like WrestleMania, the amount of swear words I heard during the WrestleMania broadcast, I'm like, what what is this? Like, Ed's literally dropped an f bomb that wasn't bleeped out or anything like it was crazy it was awesome i mean i'm not complaining but it was good can we talk about that match for a second because yeah edge and uh damn that was that was incredible um so watching the match like as they were getting into the back room i was kind of like iffy on the match i i didn't know how to feel um but just overall as they kept going on and the story they were telling with their wrestling it was just like you felt the emotion in their wrestling and a lot of people don't have that mm -hmm. and again i feel like that comes with time being part of wwe for so long and they were they were tag team partners together like they do have this history built up already um and that finish yeah but, go ahead 
keep going. No, I was just, and then what also got me, and when I read this afterward, like their entire match was scrapped. And mm. yeah. so they were pretty much doing that on the fly. And that blew my mind even more. I was like, holy shit. This Legend. just made this just made this match that much better in my mind. Yeah. But you know how freaked I was because I was texting you during like my yeah. mind was blown. I, I loved every second of it. I don't like look. I, there are, wrestling is subjective and the the opinions or the ideas of pro wrestling are subjective. We understand that. And I feel like there are a lot of people that are prominent that made comments along the lines of it was too long. It was too slow. And, um, it was just a little bit too much for two guys that are kind of aging. And it's great that that edges back, but they're not main event, you know, people today and yada, yada, yada. Like just all that put aside, that match was what pro wrestling should be in my mind. It was like, it was something that I couldn't stop watching. It just like, I, as soon as it started, I believe me, I, I had things to like think about and, you know, I had distractions and I could not take my eyes off of it. And I felt emotions like it, like it took me on a roller coaster, which doesn't happen anymore. Like it's so rare that that happens now. Unless you're at a live event, I think I think when you're there live, it's different. I've always yeah. thought like I don't understand how if I'm watching this raw crap that's crap that I don't get right now. Why are these fans like cheering live? And I get it because it's it's a different energy. But that's what I felt when I was watching it at home. Like I I felt like I was at a live event watching this go down. And um, I watched the docu- the Edge documentary. I think it was after. Might have been before, but I think it was after. Yeah. I don't remember. After. It was after. And that even blow, blows your mind even more. But I, I was such a massive Edge fan, too, before I, he was, again, I think he, I think I stopped watching um, before he retired, but he wasn't as prominent. Like, he wasn't doing much at the time when I was when I was watching. I think he was a heel. But I love, like, the, you know, like I said, I was a huge Hardy Boys fan. So the stuff he did with Lita and Matt Hardy and, like, I loved Edge. So to see him, like, return, which is something, like, Daniel Bryan was one thing where it was kind of mind-blowing. But I never in a million years thought Edge would come back. I didn't think that was a possibility. And, like, not only did he come back, but he destroyed. Like, it's like Randy's been playing around with these kids for all these years. And he's like, ah, like, you know, okay, he's good. But, you know, he's not, we don't have anything real and whatever. It was just, like, fire. It It was amazing, their energy together. Like, they got, they're so... There's so much chemistry there, like you were saying, and it that was it like came through the best so Randy much in a while. Because mm-hmm. like, were you watching when Orton had the title? Um, the heavyweight championship. He was like he was a massive heel at the time, and I think it was against Cena. Yeah, or he took no, it. Yeah, from when, him, when him and Cena were or, going back and forth, like yeah, him and yeah. like that was Orton was great. I like I was never a huge fan of Orton, mm-hmm. and then during that run, I. I fell in love with him. I was like, okay. And I feel like him against Cena, like someone matching his caliber. And then after that, Orton's just thrown into all these random things. And it was just like, I felt like he was too good in a sense Mm -hmm. to be with these other people because they couldn't keep up in the sense of just storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you watching when Orton won the 
won his first heavyweight title when he was like the youngest champion no. to, to win. Were you watching during that time? I had stopped. No. Okay, so that was that was during the time of uh, um, Evolution. And that's, I was like daily, that or, you know, whatever, weekly. That's when I was hardcore into it. And Orton was another one of my favorites. Like him and Edge kind of emerged at the same time. And I remember watching him win the title. I remember them celebrating together. And I remember them dumping him on his head when he like turned baby face and like, you know, they turned on him and all that. And the feuds he had with, you know, Triple H and Batista and all that. Like Orton is a legend. And it seems like he's been in WWE forever, but it also seems like because I think of his lack of appearances over the last couple of years, it seems like he hasn't been around. Like, I don't know. Orton's a weird one. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel, he doesn't feel like Seth Rollins in the sense that like when you see Seth you're like oh okay Seth like WWE I get it it's he's not it's not that like quick it's like oh yeah Orton's been here since like 2002 and like he's been wrestling full time since then and he's been champion yeah. how many times like it's odd Honestly, but he's great he might be he might be uh, one of the only characters to transcend WWE in a sense. And not not on a level of Cena, but you know RKO. So many people know the RKO. Oh yeah, he is a outside meme. of it. Yeah, like it's become a meme. And but yeah, he's definitely in that kind of like. But he's that he's phase. he's like, a true pro wrestler though. When you think about like who he is as a person, his background, being third generation, and then like just his career and all that, what he's doing right now, but. Randy Orton the wrestler and Randy Orton the person are not two things. Like they're they're not you wouldn't separate them. And normal thought, yeah. you're not separating those two. Like it's you know, there's like you know John Cena the wrestler and John Cena the person. They're they're different. Right. Like it's like with uh, of somebody of the same type of caliber. And Edge and Adam Copeland, two different people. But like Randy Orton is Randy Orton, period. Like I think that's what makes him so good is he's he's literally the kayfabe example like no one knows what's real and what's not with him like no one knows what he really stands for and what he doesn't stand for like it's he's he's an enigma in his own way but he's so true to his character and his personality at the same time that you can't differentiate the real man and the wrestler like that's what makes him so good i feel like and it, it tied into this edge storyline so well and then adding in you know um Ugh, Beth Phoenix and like <laughs> tying in these real life things like he's good. I'm like I'm going to miss him whenever he decides to to retire but he they did an amazing job. I hope they have more programs in the future and I hope they do more stuff together cuz that match was incredible. Like great in my mind, I think. I don't know what you thought, but yeah, it was yeah. I'm telling you when they were getting to the back room, to the weight room, now, that was like the only kind of time I was in a lull. Um, I think I might have just been like kind of losing focus too, but yeah. After that, it was just it was a story. And then I forget the exact words at the end, but when he told the ref to not count. I mean, like, I remember the words. I don't know if you want me to say them. Yeah. You want me to say them? Yes. Yeah. So. It was great. I'm like, I'm kind of like watching, like half watching. And I'm like, you know, listening, watching. Wasn't fully intent, but I was like half in, half out. And 
I hear like uh, Orton go down, and then I hear the ref like get ready to count, and he goes, "Don't you fucking count," just like that. And I go, "Whoa, did that just happen?" And th- that like blew my mind. But it didn't seem like oh, I don't know how to explain it, but it didn't seem extra. Like there's times like that where they'll like slip up and swear or whatever. Corey Graves done it a few times where it's like, okay, it feels like someone told him to say that and he's kind of just being controversial. Like that's what it feels like right now. Um, And that's not what that felt like. Like it felt like edge was legitimately telling the ref, you need to stop counting because I'm going to do something bad to Randy Orton. Like I'm going to finish. Like it was a perfect story arc. Like it, it, the whole storyline ended perfectly. And it just capped, he just capped it off with all that energy. Like it, it was, it was so well done. Like, especially given the circumstances. And like you said, they scrapped their match like the day of like, what? (laughs) They still came out with that. It's amazing. They're amazing. I love them. I love edge. You know, I met edge when I was little. Um, It was like, it was crazy because I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, It was at my first, Comic-Con at Wizard World. Way what back year? In the day. I was I was young. I probably 99 2000 wow. maybe. Was he with Christian um, or just by himself? He was he was with Christian. So I don't know if they still have wrestling, but they used to have a wrestling ring set up at at Wizard World. Oh, that's cool. And they cool. would have independent wrestlers there. And uh I saw them walking around and my dad's like, hey, look, it's it's the wrestlers. And they had, they pulled out their teeth, like the fangs. Uh-huh. Oh, they had the fangs. They were showing, the brood. Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, he pulled out the his tooth and was showing it. Like, he was a super cool dude. Like, he was just walking, and we literally just went up to him um, and, like, said hi and everything. Well, and, they like, had... It was a fairly short interaction, but just, like, I remember, I was young, and I remember how nice he was. They are Canadian, so that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's sick. I, like, the only rest, I mean, how many have I met? I've met Paige, Punk, with you, and was it Booker oh, T? God. Who Booker T, you got the sign, or was it Jerry Lawler? It was Jerry Lawler, both. I think. Booker both? T was there too, but yeah, I remember they were both there. I was too scared to talk to them. I like, I'm, oh God, I wish I could get a redo on that one day, but like, Man. <laughs> yeah, punk. You want to tell that you... punk story? Oh God, that was bad. <laughs> that was really bad. It was bad for both of us. It was bad for him too, I'm sure. So we're <laughs> who was with us? Do you remember? Um, or was it just us in line? We were, it was just us in line, but <laughs> so, so it was you that made the comment then as we're standing in line, yeah. just kind of like, <laughs> like, yeah, like a, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here like, oh shit. I yeah. look, my armpits are drenched <laughs> in sweat. You were, you I were for... shaking. Like when you, when yes. you said that you were shaking. Like your whole body was shaking and it just smelled like was, straight up onions. I'm like, what is happening right now? I was so nervous to meet Punk. I had forgotten to put on deodorant that morning. And I was just sweating profusely, stinking up the place in that line. 
it waiting. was bad, dude. It was like wafting, like a like a bad fart. Like, oh my! And God. I didn't know, like, do I keep my arms up? Do I let it air out? Do I keep them down to try to contain the smell? Like, what's is Punk gonna say something to me? Like, dude, you smell. Get out of here. You're right, dude. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the day though. He he signed my box of squirters. You still have that somewhere? I do. I have I have Punk signature. I have King signature. I have Ryder Strong signature on mm. there. Yes, Sean. Which I was Sean like Hunter. I was like Sean Hunter. He kind of fits the wrestling world because they had <laughs> actors. They had and, uh, yeah. Oh, they well, had Vader. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Vader, Vader was the dad of mm-hmm. one of the characters, and then Mick Foley was on there. Uh, he had an appearance too. Yeah. Um, so I was like, he kind of fits. But yeah, Punk took a picture of that box of squirters because he was like, what is this? Like, why? It was weird, but yeah, that he enjoyed was, it. That was. So I felt accomplished. That was horrifying. I don't know why I was nervous too. I was so nervous too. And again, that was like, he was preparing for his first UFC fight. This was like, the beginning of 15, I think. So it was like a, yeah. maybe a year after he had left WWE. So it's not like I grew up, like, I don't know, I grew up, but it's not like I was watching him during his peak in WWE. So I don't know why I was so nervous, but like, yeah, we both kind of freaked out. I just wasn't sweating profusely, but I was freaking out too. I couldn't even, I couldn't <laughs> well, say you anything You also had him. deodorant on. That's true. I did. And I had nothing to sign and I didn't pay for a ticket. I just walked up behind you. You're the <laughs> one who paid for the signature. And he was like, he seemed so confused. Like nobody was really in his line. He was. It was just kind of chill, and he he <laughs> he seemed like bo- not bothered, but like, all right, you guys, uh, how you doing? And we're both like fine, <laughs> like starstruck. And he's like, okay, <laughs> keep moving. See you later. But yeah, that was awesome. And I had the tape. I had the tape on my hands, like a freaking mark. Oh I yeah, taped up my hands. But uh, the the year before, I met Mick Foley there, and it was like, I was walking past. I didn't even plan on talking to him, but I was walking past, and there was like two people in line. It was at the very end of his thing, and um, they weren't gonna let people in, and he he was like super cool about it. He's like, no, let them come in. Mm-hmm. Didn't charge us for a picture or anything. Talked to us for about. 15 20 minutes oh, maybe that's right you told i was jealous i was jealous when you told me that story like he was he was just a super cool dude to talk to mm. and um he was telling us about there was a reporter not like a big reporter but she was doing a on a foundation that he was i don't know if he was a part of it or just like promoting it in a sense mm. um so he was t- talking to us about that and just like the goodwill of this dude is phenomenal He's extremely intelligent. Like the first book, um, his uh, Have a Nice Day, his autobiography, like he wrote that all himself. He didn't want an editor. It just was all from him. Like he's so smart. I, I was like, I was bummed by his stuff with WWE when he came back because it seemed like, again, he had the same freaking problem as everybody else. It was where he's just like handed, like Kurt Angle too, just handed stuff and like, you have to deliver it this way and whatever. And it just wasn't great, but like, he's such an awesome dude. 
I would, I, I want to meet him one day and ask him about if he's still in massive amounts of pain and <laughs> all that. No, actually, I went and saw his comedy tour when oh, he came good? to Zany's in Rosemont a couple years ago. And dude, he is hilarious. Like, you wouldn't necessarily expect it from him. I mean, I guess you might, but like, I was thoroughly entertained the whole time. And, and you didn't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy it. Like, there's definitely things you'll enjoy more, mm. um, but he's a great storyteller. That's good. We got to go see him live when all this stuff is resolved and stand-up comedy is a thing again. He is coming back. Like, I think he was supposed to be here during all this stuff, um, so I think it's going to be rescheduled once we can gather in places again. Good. We have the six... Uh, and you're 21 six now. feet away from each other. Yeah, that's true. You you weren't 21 when uh oh, when I right. went. You're right. God, those days are kind of long it, behind us, aren't they? Yeah. Rip. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'll just get smashed and then <laughs> heckle McFoley and then tell him I was just kidding. <laughs> Become best friends with him. He'll bring Mr. Sacco to you. I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna heckle you. I need you to hit me with Mr. Sacco. Please and let us record it. Yeah, very against hecklers. Um, Who he is? Yeah, there there was a guy trying to heckle him, and he shut it down quick. And then the guy did it again, and they they escorted him out. Nice. That like like it was. <sighs> Mick Foley's one of the toughest human beings like that's ever been created. So I don't know why you would try to mess with him. You know, like. <laughs> It's just like, come on. He's already such a nice guy. It's like, don't don't make him become the guy who's going to completely destroy you. Like, <laughs> don't make him do that because he can. Like, you know. He's nice, but he will destroy you. He's huge. He's a huge human being. Even lo- losing all that weight, he's still massive. He's like six, whatever he is, six two, six three, and big. So it's just like, it's whatever. But I'd like to, I'd like to see him live. Seems like a really cool dude. But um, yeah. Why don't we talk about talking about all these legends? So why don't we talk about our um, <clears throat> our Mount Rushmores here? Who do we think are the best ever to do it? Uh, this is tough, and I mean, I could tell you one, and it might surprise people right off the bat, but AJ Styles mm. and just watching back, like I didn't really follow him until. He was in WWE, but once he was in WWE, I started looking him up more, watching some old videos, and he's just amazing. Like his, his in-ring ability, his uh, ability on the microphone, and his ability to just like work with these other people. Um, I I think it was you that sent me that video of him and showing how someone was like kind of messing up the styles clash and his quick adjustment. Like he noticed that on the fly that quick and modified the styles clash. So the other person wouldn't get hurt. Yeah. That was James Ellsworth. Yeah. Like those small things and like that ability in, in the ring makes him one of the top for me. Cause you, you just don't see that. Okay. Okay. AJ Styles, Um, I hear that. Obviously taker. Um, Taker is one of those characters that is a character and has lasted. He's put his time in. He's put his body through hell. Like, 
another person that someone outside of WWE um, would know. And see, this is one though that like other people I've heard other people give their Mount Rushmore's again, other people within the industry outside of media, whatever. And takers not on like any of their Mount Rushmore's. It doesn't, it's it a, confuses me. I don't understand it. He's had such, he's been a staple in my mind of WWE forever. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Um, and next one, which a lot of people will hate or love Cena. Mm. And reason being, he carried the company for how many years? Like 10 years, his longevity of being the top guy and carrying, like, he should, honestly, he would be, like, number one in my book because of that. And, like, people like to give him a lot of crap, but, mm. man, he he can work a crowd. He can wrestle, like, as much as people say he can't. Like, yeah, that's silly. Let's face it. He's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a great wrestler. Yeah. He's not a high flyer or anything, but, like, come on. So that's, he's another one. Mm. And then my fourth would have to be Triple H. Like, wow. So you're leaving Stone Cold, The Rock, Ric Flair, Bret Hart. Yes. Steamboat are not on your. It's hard because, like, all right, The Rock is hard because, you know, he, like, Rock and Stone Cold, like, I feel like they carried the company through the Attitude Era in a sense. Shorter time, shorter careers. Yeah, shorter yeah. careers. On top. Shorter um, careers on top, I think. Yeah. I picked Triple H because I feel like the last couple of years have really influenced it too. Uh, and learning about him, seeing what he's done inside the ring and outside of the ring. And that's why I have to give it to him. Like, he's built NXT. And, and then, like, watching his matches back now... I enjoy them so much more too. Like, like, wow, he deserved a lot more credit back then. Mm -hmm. And I felt like he was, he was being overshadowed by some of these bigger characters at the time. Um, but especially like when you go to the, the mania storylines between, uh, triple H, Shawn Michaels and taker, like Mm -hmm. that's almost like icing on the cake too. Though those matches are, those are definitely some of my top matches that I would pick. Yeah. That, um, <clears throat> that WrestleMania, the hell in the cell, well, not even the hell in the cell. It was the one with Taker before that, uh, the year before the hell in the cell match. I watched that at my, at my buddy's house on pay-per-view. Cause he was, he had been watching wrestling consistently. And that is the match that kind of got me reinterested into like I started to put my feelers out there with WWE and that was like 2011, 2012. So they take, I believe Taker at that time wasn't doing, he wasn't wrestling uh full time. So I watched that and I had watched it. So this is what happened. I watched that live, thought it was great. And then the next year's WrestleMania with the Hell in the Cell match with the three of them came out. And I watched that a couple months after that came out. So in mid-2012, I watched that match. And then I decided to go back and watch the other ones. The, the two with 
Shawn Michaels, the one with Triple H before, and then the Hell in a Cell match. And watching those four in succession, mm-hmm. it was like early 2013. That was when we started really talking about wrestling again. And those yeah. were the matches. So like the first match, going back to when we started this this pod, the first match that I remember watching that tied me into WWE, like that, that made it addicting for me, was the first Hell in a Cell match at Bad Blood 97 between Taker and Shawn Michaels. And the match that brought me back to wrestling after all these years was the Hell in the Cell match with Taker, Triple H, and then Shawn Michaels. So it's it's not a coincidence. Like those guys are are heroes in my mind. But I agree. Again, this is another one. John Cena's up there with other people. I've heard that. Um, I haven't heard Taker at all, and I've never heard AJ Styles. I know people love him, and I love him. But Triple H, no one talks about Triple H either. And it, again, that one blows my mind because yeah, he has transcended WWE like in the sense that he's no longer just a wrestler. He's not just a producer. He's not just a promoter. He's not just a creative agent. He's like he is he's in a lot of ways. He has the potential to take the brand of WWE and make it something more than like it's it's ever been. And who knows when Vince is going to, you know stop being the the owner and the head of WWE um and the just the main guy who makes all the decisions but we I feel like it's pretty obvious that Stephanie and Triple H are going to take that mantle and I feel like most people who love NXT are just waiting for the day when that happens but I also think that because Triple H is still kind of in the eye all the time and he's still super active maybe he's just not considered on the Mount Rushmore because he's not retired and he's not like, you know, in his sixties and whatever. But I mean, he just celebrated 25 years with the company and that's like 25 years. Not he's been a wrestler for 25 years. Like he's been on top for 25 years. Like he's been in, that's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Like a lot of these people are starting to hit that milestone, but even, even taker who's been around for longer, hasn't been on top or in as much consistent TV time or all that for the same amount of time. Like uh, Triple H has been around for so long. And so he's one on my Mount Rushmore is Triple H and Taker is another one. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, (laughs) Those two guys don't just represent WWE because I think that they do in a lot of ways, but they represent what pro wrestling should be. Like every time Triple H gets in the ring, He's gotten in there with so many different people at this point. And even today, he's never missed a step. He still looks as good as he ever has. Like when he was wrestling with Ronda, that was the most fun I've ever had watching WrestleMania before the Edge match and the and the Undertaker match, which we didn't even talk about. But um, that match was so much fun, and a lot of it was because of him. And he made Ronda look amazing. Like he made the match look, the in general, look good. And it was the things that he does are amazing. The things he's done with NXT and like all these stars he's created and how great of a brand it is right now. That's because of him and what he's been able to, to do. I think that's like part of the difference is looking when a lot of people are doing this, looking at just wrestling and like, maybe, yeah, maybe he wouldn't be on there if we're looking at just in ring. Mm -hmm. But, but for me, I always have to look at everything and he's definitely done a lot. He's done a lot to to help WWE and probably just help pro wrestling in general, like you said. Like, 
I mean, it was only WWE for so long, but you know, his, his influence isn't only there. Yeah. And I think what separates him and someone like the rock is the rock has clearly transcended pro wrestling. And like, he's, the rock is a brand. It's like, it's not just like a WWE brand. It's like Dwayne, the rock Johnson is just as important as the rock. Like he, he's made himself into like this household name that will probably never be forgotten, especially if he runs for president. I hope he runs for president one day, (laughs) but um, he would be great. But I think what separates him and someone like triple H is triple H has transcended being a pro wrestler within the pro wrestling business. So, the Rock has transcended being a pro wrestler, yes, and he's kind of transcended his family legacy. But he's the highest paid athlete, or at least he was at one point, the highest paid athlete in Hollywood, or the highest paid actor in Hollywood, um, who also happens to be a pro wrestler. And his pro wrestling career, from a consistent basis, is so far in the past that you don't associate him with pro wrestling anymore, really. It's just right. he's just Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And though that's impressive, like when we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling, I mean, that's what it is. It's the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. I think that's very valid and probably part of the reason why I didn't put him on there because I don't feel, when I hear his name, I don't think of wrestling anymore. Yeah. Like that's how he got big. But when I hear his name, I think of movies now. I mean, like, but even that, it's like, yes, but that's how I feel like that's how he really broke into the the entertainment industry from an acting standpoint is using using pro wrestling as that kind of rocket. And he got out. He got out when he was hot. Uh, he, I guess yeah. he made the right decision. He just got out of wrestling when he when he was at the peak of his popularity and took advantage of that. And now he's peaked in popularity in general you know, like a couple months ago, it's like, like he's still huge. So and physically too, he's massive, but he could, he could put on his trunks again and go do a a 50 minute match if he wanted to, no problem. But, um, he's great, but it's, it's a shame to not consider someone like triple H an all time great. And he's still going like, who knows how many more years he's going to be doing. He's going to be wrestling. He's going to be, you know, at the head of NXT or potentially the main roster, what you know, whatever it is, who knows. But he is an all-time great, and I feel like he should be mentioned, like unanimously. Like that, just that's how I feel about him, and I, it, it blows my mind. Even when he was a heel, he was still amazing. People loved him even as a heel, and he was a heel. Like he's a legitimate heel. He knows how to how to get people to hate him. So um, I love Triple H, but he's one. Uh, Taker was another one. The third one I'm going to go with is Chris Jericho, who's another hard one because he's still wrestling, because he's still a full-time guy. But I will say he has completely altered the pro wrestling uh, umbrella. So transcended WWE, yes. Anybody who knows his career knows that. But if you track backtrack his career in Japan, his career in Mexico, his career in WCW, his career in ECW before he even came to WWE and took over WWE as a rookie was the first undisputed champion um and c- kind of got lost in the shuffle for different reasons but remained relevant kept reinventing himself um went away for a while CM Punk style you know <laughs> abandoned the WWE and then came mm-hmm. back and then 
the things he been he's been able to do with New Japan Wrestling, AEW since then. Putting all that aside, even looking at his podcast, which has become one of the biggest podcasts ever, right? And it's not just a pro wrestling podcast, it's music, what he's done in the music world. Like Fozzie completely took off a few years ago when they released their uh the Judas album and he they transcended their musical peak at that time. So Fozzie was a was a band that you know, did some touring, but they weren't big. Like, they weren't a big band. People knew that that was Chris Jericho's band, but Fozzie became an entity when Judas yeah. came out. Like, Fozzie became a band that people knew about, regardless of Chris Jericho being the, the, the front man. So he transcended Fozzie beyond his Chris Jericho persona as a professional wrestler. So he's got music, podcasting, and then the, the Jericho's, like... He oh, yeah. introduced pro wrestling to yeah. He introduced pro wrestling to the cruise ship, and it was a massive success. Like it was, and he did it twice. And he's and assuming that things returned somewhat to normal, he's going to do it again. But the only I think the only other people to do that where it was a big success. I could be wrong about this, but he talked about Kiss, the Kiss cruise, and that's where he kind of got oh. his his inspiration for it. But like you put him on a list with kiss you know what i mean it's like the dude is That's a legend right there yeah the dude I, is a legend like going back to his wrestling just and i guess not even to wrestling but his ability to stay relevant and reinvent himself is he might top the list for that like out of everyone he has reinvented himself many times and he has stayed relevant like it's crazy. Yeah, it's um it's uh I feel like with him because he um because he um is still active, it's still consistent. He's kind of like one of the heads of AEW, I guess, technically speaking. He's still wrestling all the time. And he's still very much in the public eye. It's hard to put him on a Mount Rushmore because of all of those factors. Like if he was completely retired and all that. But even with Undertaker, it's like Undertaker's retired like three times, and he's older and he's not doing consistent stuff, and it's still a problem. So between yeah. Triple H, Taker, and Chris Jericho, these are three guys that I feel like are always left off. And it's just like, well, Ric Flair, obviously, and like, oh, Jim Cornette, obviously, greatest manager of all time. It's just like. I don't think, like, I guess if you're older and that's what you grew up with and that's where your heart is, maybe. But technically speaking, these all three of these guys completely changed the industry. Yeah. And Undertaker's been in WWE since 1991, okay? Like, a really, really long time he's been in WWE, longer than, like, any of these other legends that are still are, are younger and relevant today. Like he's he's an OG. He's like a, he's been a locker room leader for decades, so it it blows my mind. But long winded, my last one is Shawn Michaels, because I knew it, you knew it, because Shawn to me, um, is sim very similar to Randy Orton, um, but Shawn has a more I think colorful uh, history or background or career. And he's been wrestling for obviously a lot longer than Randy Orton, but um, he for one you can talk about the many stages of his career, 
his different returns, the different title reigns he's had, whatever. But he's one of those people that if you look at his matches from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the match that he just had with Triple H and Kane and the Undertaker, like he nev- he's never ever looked bad. He's never looked weak. He's never looked fake. He's like him and Bret Hart had some of the greatest matches ever because of how real both of them are and his ability to completely grab a crowd. Like he has that same ability that the rock and stone cold have where any crowd anywhere is going to freak out when they see Shawn Michaels, even if they don't really know who he is. Yeah. He can sell bumps like none other. He set the precedent. Why do you think everybody uses a super kick now? Why does everybody use a super kick? Because of Shawn Michaels. Like, Dolph Ziggler, Shawn Michaels. AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels. Like, 100%. John Morrison, Shawn Michaels. (laughs) Yeah, you see his influence in in a lot of wrestlers. Because he's the greatest. He's the greatest in-ring performer. I mean, it's hard to... with him Between him and Undertaker, it's hard to make that claim. But... And because they're they're very different style-wise. Yeah. But... It to me, um, Sean is timeless, and like Taker has lost a lot of what made him Undertaker for you know injuries and age and all that. But Sean yeah. has not lost an inch. He looks better now than he did at his peak, actually in WWE. Like it's amazing. It blows my mind. Yeah, I feel like the last couple years have really hurt Taker. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these matches that he's been put in and storylines. Um, now, last match at WrestleMania with AJ, I think brought brought him back, like to a very respectable, tough type of Taker level again. It worked. And I'm very, I'm very curious to see in the future what's going to happen. Um, you know, there were people talking about whether that's his retirement match or not, but. That's always. Kind of hope it isn't. It's <laughs> yeah. always the story with Taker. And honestly, I would be f- completely fine if they did all cinematic matches like that for Taker, moving forward. Me too. Um, because that was that was phenomenal, with AJ. The phenomenal one, <laughs> but phenomenal. Um, with Taker, did you watch the documentary, like the the I little the little snippet? that they released after Mania? Just the little part. I have been like foaming at the mouth at the idea over the years of having a Taker documentary that like we've never gotten. No, He's done like no interviews, no podcasts, nothing. He's just started doing media last year, and it's been amazing watching him do it. But the documentary just was like a little snippet of some things, and it disclosed a lot of information. And he was saying like for a while there – he would do his WrestleMania match. He would get hurt during the match or you know, prior to the match, whatever. He'd have an injury. He would go into surgery immediately after Mania. He would rehab. He would train to get back into shape. And by the time that was done, it was Mania the next year. And then he would have to decide if he was going to commit to that or not. And he would go through that cycle for four or five years. The past four or five years, he's been really hitting that cycle hard. So that, That's crazy. Yeah. And that... I mean, that kind of makes it pretty obvious why he's been the way he's been. But again, like as somebody who has watched him for so long and I've 
and I didn't, I wasn't alive when he debuted, but I've seen those matches. I've watched a lot of, like, I was obsessed about Undertaker for a long time. And up until four, you know, five, six years ago, he was the same guy. So, like, it's, he's been the same guy since the, the early 90s. So it's an injury problem. The, the 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 conversation that he's just too old or whatever it, to me it's always been like no he's not old he's injured like there's obviously a difference he looks like he's yeah. injured and it's always bugged the crap out of me but I'm glad they did it the way that they did it with the cinematic and then AJ obviously AJ's great <laughs> like <laughs> he's gonna make anybody look phenomenal <laughs> that's the name and enough like that whole thing they said was unscripted too in in the sense of like the dialogue that they had going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. that was all just them two god i and missed like, that i missed that that undertaker man he was the best the initial text when that happened to each other like i was oh man <laughs> i i i even when undertaker was heel like i remember do you remember smackdown here comes the pain and like those those games yeah yeah. So like that was heel biker taker. Like that was the the peak of heel biker taker. And that guy hasn't been around since that time. Like Taker hasn't cut a promo like that. He hasn't said words like that. Like what he said to AJ since 2003. Like it's mind blowing. It's been that long. But to hear yeah. him say that stuff was so refreshing, you know? I was so over the like one word Taker promos yeah. and like mm. ten minute walk down to the ring, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> when you only get to see him a few times a year, yeah. like yeah. I want to enjoy it. Like to me, that was just like a waste of Taker appearance. Yeah, and it's freaking sad that he debuts. He re-debuts his biker gimmick, like possibly for the last time in front of no audience. Like same thing with Edge. Like you know, he got he got the pop, he got the return pop. But to to do his WrestleMania match without an audience, it's like uh, it sucks that these guys like finally we've been like dying for something like this, and we didn't get to see it with a crowd. But but oh, it was so just watching. Like I felt fear for AJ when I was watching that match. Legitimate. It like it was the same thing as with the Edge match. Like I was feeling emotions like i felt fear for aj um and like that was the best part that like i've heard different opinions of different people like you know i like to listen to podcasts and interviews and stuff and like i follow guys like jim Cornette, like jr like you know all these different people and it seems like the matches were a breath of fresh air in the sense that like it's something different from just an empty arena match but it's also like, well, that's not traditional pro wrestling and blah, blah, blah. But I felt like hardcore emotions while watching those matches. And it and it wasn't just yeah. like, it wasn't just the fact that they're cinematic and they look different and, you know, whatever. I know Edge's match wasn't the cinematic match, but it was like a, it wasn't in the ring. But um, to like to get full circle with like Taker coming back possibly for the last time. And reintroducing his biker character and being strong. Like, I've gotten really sick of watching Undertaker wrestle and look weak. Like a weak human being. Not because Taker's old, but because he's injured. It's like, a, it's like I just want him to be healthy. Personally, I want to see a healthy Undertaker wrestle a match. Like, it's a bummer to see him not healthy, not wrestling at his 
you know, potential or capability. So it, I just thought it was amazing that he reintroduces his, his character. He's a, he's never, he didn't lose a step in his like speaking. No. Like he was just being himself talking like a badass. I was terrified for AJ during some of those parts. Like I would be scared if Undertaker was stalking me like that, trash talking me, like I would be terrified. And then, you know, I hope was hoping that Kane would make a return, but Oh, I know. Especially <laughs> when the fire came, I yeah. thought it was going to be yeah. a... I thought he was going to emerge. A Kane moment. Mm-hmm. That, but I feel like this leaves room for a next match yeah. to have Kane there. Yeah. And Mary that Kane. can be... <laughs> he's, got, he's got more important fish. I get it. He's, I get it. No, he's just got to worry about the corona there yeah. right now. Senior COVID. I understand. <laughs> But uh, that would have been cool. But it was it was amazing, and uh, and that's why uh, he's on my Mount Rushmore, and that's why I, I thought um, all in all, like WrestleMania was uh, was what it was. Like it's gonna go down as the Corona WrestleMania. Like that's just kind of what it yeah. is. It's gonna be remembered forever because of that. Um, but um, some of those matches were transcendent. Like they, they would be all time great. Like if, if it were a regular WrestleMania with a regular crowd and they put that undertaker match on there, that would be an all time great match regardless of the circumstances. So I thought it was okay. Like I thought it was worth watching. Um, I wouldn't watch yeah, it again. Definitely. I'd watch some, those matches again. But moments. Yeah. There yeah. was just like the, uh, the, just they got to work on the format with having live wrestling matches with no crowd. Cause it's still uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it's still like, ugh. that's why I know. Like I've, I've told you, I'd like to see uh kind of like a, like a TV series that's totally pre-filmed and, and more TV show, like with some of these characters. And I think, you know, having some larger than life characters like undertaker, the fiend, and then you have your normal people too mixed in, um, almost like a superhero show. But what you're we talking just, about is in, what you're talking about is innovation and change, and <laughs> like just WWE doesn't do that. No, they don't do that type of stuff. How dare you even mention that? Bring up such an <laughs> idea. It's a horrible idea. Never say that again. But I just I want to see something different. And these cinematic matches have, uh, thank you, Matt Hardy. Uh, yeah. Like they do breathe some new life into this stuff. Like, I don't think that's the only route. I don't think it would be successful for everybody to do it, but I think it's definitely an avenue to explore. And especially during this time of when you can't have a crowd, like it could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I would, uh, I would, I don't know. I guess we'll see what they do with Money in the Bank or uh, Money on the Roof. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Money on the Roof. I'm interested. We'll see. And you know what? (laughs) Like, that's what they need, though, I feel. Everything's been so predictable. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of forcing them to things outside the box now. And, like, yeah, I'm, regardless if the match is good or not, I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, but uh, that should be fun. That should be fun. I'm not gonna be too down on it because it is what it is. We gotta play with what we got, I suppose. But uh, so aside from 
pro wrestling as we kind of wrap things up here. We've been talking for a while. Yeah. About some pro wrestling. This is short. No. Come on, bro. <laughs> it's us. We can't stop talking. We love the sound of our voices. We can't stop talking. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sexy sounding. Well, okay. Let's come on now. People might be listening to this. Don't want to start Two a scandal. People. Two people. Still, we may offend somebody. Okay. Anyways, um, what what do you think that uh, some of these plans moving forward for this brand or this oh, kind of outlet are going to be? Well, we have talked about trying to get some people on here. You know, if you like wrestling, come talk with us. Like, we don't want it to just be us all the time. We want to hear some other opinions. For real. Um, get some other thoughts. Like, we talk to each other all the time about this stuff. Um, and we see stupid news articles. So it would be nice to get like a real person's perspective on these things too. And maybe change our minds on some things. Yeah, I agree. We're fans like first and foremost. And, you know, wrestling fans are kind of weird because wrestling fans can be closeted a lot of times and you just don't know that you're a wrestling fan until you slip up in conversation but um, we need more passionate wrestling fans to just talk shit with because <laughs> mm-hmm. because eventually we're going to start fighting and then we're going to refuse to do podcast episodes because we can't stand each other for a couple weeks. So we need people to ease that tension, come on here and give us someone to yell at or something to yell about. So, yes. We have we have our own Discord server that that is set up and we would love to invite other people. So if you want to talk, you know just chat um we have some plans to incorporate maybe some bots and make some fun activities on there um make it enjoyable more than just chat uh who knows maybe we'll do a promo a promo challenge or pick a wrestler and somehow you win that would we be don't great know. okay i like these ideas we gotta write this stuff if down. you have if you have an idea let us know Thank you for joining us on the very first episode of the Pro Wrestling Creative Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed yourself and are looking forward to more content. If you want to stay in the loop with future content, go to prowrestlingcreative.com and connect with our social media from there. If you want to follow me, I'm Matthew Renta on all social media platforms. And if you want to follow Anthony, you can find him at I am Anthony Holmes across all social media. That's I'm Anthony Holmes. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to talk to you about one of our favorite pastimes, the world of professional wrestling. I'm Matthew Renta, and for Anthony Holmes, we'll catch you on the next one. Adios!